Today, we're continuing our series called Q&A. I love this series. What we're doing is we're looking at some of the biggest questions that people have asked throughout history. Stuff like, is there more to life than this? And who is Jesus? And how can we have faith? And why do we pray? We're going to continue that theme today. When we look for our information, we don't just look to the world. We look to God, who is a creator of all truth. And he has all the truth. And he has the answer. So we're going to impart during this series, the wisdom that God has given us and God has revealed to us through his word and through his being. Now, we don't know all the answers, but we're going to share, again, what we've been learning and what God has shared with us. And when we think about information, it's crazy to understand how quickly we can receive it, how quickly we can find out something that is happening in the other side of the world. And because of that, I think a couple negative things happen. The first thing is we have a hard time to determine what is important and what is superficial. And sometimes we have a hard time determining what is true and what is false. And because information comes so quick, I know this is at least true for me, is I get impatient when I don't get the information at the speed that I would prefer it to come. So much so that when I text someone, like 10 seconds later, I'm like, why have they not texted back? I would have texted back. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, they must be in a car crash. Who knows what happened because they're not responding. That was morbid. But still, uh, sometimes those thoughts come in your head. You're like, why isn't someone getting to me? Because we get impatient. Recently, I was listening to this interview. There was this Christian singer, and he has decided to walk away from his career as a Christian singer as well as from the faith as a whole. And so there was an interview, and I thought that was interesting. So I wanted to hear what he was saying, the reasons he gave. And the biggest reason he had for not wanting to serve God, to not wanting to follow him, even though he still acknowledges that, that the Bible and that God seem very true, he said he doesn't like that God doesn't speak to him the way that he wanted to. He wanted God to speak to him like a friend at lunch speaks to you from across the table. And because God didn't do that to him regularly, he decided to walk away from him. And at first, I'll be honest with you, I had like my judgment hat on and I thought, how dare you? Like, how dare you do that to God? It's like we're asking him to bend to our will instead of obey his will. Just because God doesn't do something the way you want to doesn't mean that he's not real, that he's not good, that he didn't make the universe, he didn't die and rise again for us. But then I started to realize that I do the same thing. There's times where I'm asking God for something and it doesn't happen right away. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? Why haven't you answered this? Or I ask God for some wisdom to say, I haven't gotten it yet. Why don't you just impart it right now? Maybe you've asked those questions before. God, why don't you reveal yourself to us? Or maybe even the simple question of God, where are you? If you've asked those, I just want to encourage you that you're not alone. In God's word, King David and Joe both asked that question. God, where are you? They were men after God's own heart, and God imparted wisdom into their lives. And so we're going to follow that train of thought, and we're going to ask today this question. How has God revealed himself to us? Because he has revealed himself. That's the good news. We ask the question, God, why don't you reveal yourself to us? And the good news is he has revealed himself to us. And he's done it in a bunch of different ways. But today we're going to focus on three ways that God has made his presence known to us. And those three ways are found in our take-home point, the one point that this message is all about. You see, God has revealed himself through his creation, Jesus, and the Bible. 
And right now we're going to kick it off by talking about the creation first. Before we do that, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for being in the room right now. God, I thank you for revealing yourself to us. Jesus, thank you so much for responding to people's doubts as you walked on this earth with kindness and love. And God, if we are asking these questions right now, I pray that we'll feel your love as well, that you will speak to us and answer some of these questions that we have. And God, also prepare us as we go out from this place to interact with people that have these questions. I pray that you will help us to be able to point them to you in your revelation. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So God has revealed himself to us through his creation. In this song, So Will I, written by the band Hillsong United, there's this amazing lyric that says, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. I love that because it's so true. From the beginning of time, God spoke and creation happened. Jesus, when he was on this earth, there was a stormy sea and he spoke still, and it was calm. And we can look at those things and we can look at the nature around us simply to see that God is real because we see the creation we are a part of. I mean, just the fact that there is something here rather than nothing shows that there was a creator. King David, the same guy that would say, God, where are you right now, was given wisdom by God, and he shares it with us in Psalm 19, 1 through 4. And this is talking about the revelation of God through creation. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. David, what he was doing was pointing out that nature reveals God to us. And we can point that out as well. It's cool to think about it that David didn't have like a telescope to see the stars, but he could still see God in creation. And now we have advanced scientific tools that help us to see God and understand his revelation around us. I mean, we can look at things like oxygen. Oxygen makes up 21% of our breathable air. And if oxygen was 25%, we would have fires that would just combust constantly all around us. If that oxygen was at 15%, we would all suffocate. We couldn't breathe. God has finely tuned this universe. God has made it in such a way that we can survive. And all of that points to God. It's cool. Astronomers and scientists have proven that the universe is ever expanding, that it all it comes from one single starting point, pointing to God as the designer of this intricately designed creation that we get to be a part of. So similarly to oxygen, we can look at carbon dioxide. If carbon dioxide was a little higher, we'd burn up. And if it was a little lower, plants couldn't do photosynthesis and we couldn't breathe. We'd suffocate. And then, this is one of my favorite things about that intricately designed, finely tuned universe that we're a part of. If gravity was altered by, follow me on this one, 0.00000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000
this couldn't have been an accident. God is at work around us, and he made this universe. It's the same revelation that the Nobel laureate Arno, Arno Penzias, fun name, uh, said this. Astronomy leads us to a unique event, a universe which was created out of nothing and delicately balanced to provide exactly the conditions required to support life. In the absence of an absurdly improbable accident, the observations of modern science seem to suggest an underlying, one might say, supernatural plan. Everything in the world has been seen that has an action, or has a reaction, has an action to start it, and the same thing with the universe, and that action to start it is God. Growing up, I always heard that science and religion, or science and relationship with God, don't mix at all. But this is a misnomer because they certainly do. Science can help us to understand God and his intricate design. That's why a lot of the fathers of modern science, like Galileo and Kepler and Newton, believed in God. Kepler even said that we as scientists are only thinking the thoughts that God has already thought. When we discover things like gravity, we're only understanding what God already knows because he's like, yeah, I want you to survive. So I created it in that way. Even Albert Einstein famously said, a legitimate conflict between science and religion cannot exist. Religion without science is blind and science without religion is lame. God has revealed himself to us through his creation all around us. We can look at the design of nature and know that God exists and that he was the designer and the creator of all that we see. God has also revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the supreme revelation of God. He is God incarnate. God came into this world in the form of Jesus to show us him so that we can learn about him and come into relationship with him. I'm not going to focus too much on Jesus today because a couple weeks ago, we answered the question, who is Jesus? We looked at how can we know that he existed and rose from the dead. We looked at evidence inside and outside the New Testament. And if you missed that message or you want to watch it again, I encourage you to do that on our app or website. But right now, I want to bring your attention to John chapter 1, verses 17 through 18, where one of Jesus' closest disciples had this to say about Jesus. God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So Jesus is the revelation of God to humanity. We get to know about God by Jesus because Jesus is God. And we learn so much about Jesus from the Bible. Again, as I just said, we learn about him from outside sources too, but the Bible gives us so much information about Jesus. And the Bible is another way that God has revealed himself to us. It's cool looking at science and the Bible back to back because they answer two different questions. Science answers the questions of how and when, whereas the Bible answers who and why. It answers about who God is. So God has given us this amazing resource that's his revelation to us so that we can know who God is and come into relationship with him. And it's so cool to think that God in his infinite power and wisdom has allowed the Bible and helped the Bible to endure over these last couple thousand years. You see, in 301 to 304 AD, the Roman emperors burnt thousands upon thousands of Bibles. Until about 311 AD, it was still illegal to be a Christian. You could still be killed by the Roman Empire for being a Christian. But the Bible endured. God gave wisdom to some monks who hid Bibles away and who hand-wrote copies and copies 
of the Bible, and it has endured. In the 18th century, this French philosopher named Voltaire was speaking against the Bible. He thought someday that the Bible would be this book that we would put in museums and we wouldn't need anymore. He even said in 100 years, the Bible wouldn't, would be a forgotten and unknown book. Voltaire said that in 78, the same year that he passed away. And it's been much more than 100 years since that day. He thought new philosophies would come up and make the Bible useless, but they haven't. Neither the Roman government or new philosophies have been able to stop the progress of God's Bible because it's his words to humanity. It's the way that he has revealed himself to us in such a clear way. And there's power in the words of God. I've seen my life change by reading and by applying his words. And I've seen it in other people too. Last summer, David Rare, one of our students at New Life Students who's graduating now, came to a bonfire at my house with our small group. And David said that he'd been reading through the book of Proverbs. And as he was reading, he kept thinking that God was writing Proverbs directly for him. And as I read the book of Proverbs, I feel the same way. I'm like 20 years older than David, and both of us are having that same feeling that God is given this book just for us. And it's because the Lord reveals himself and speaks to us through the Bible. He reveals himself to us. He shows us who he is, and he speaks directly to us. It's the most precious book of all time. It's powerful, and it's precious. Jesus, at one point, while he was on this earth, was being tempted in the desert. He was out for 40 days and 40 nights. He was fasting, and Satan, the enemy, came to him and started tempting him. And Jesus refuted his temptations with the Bible. And at one point, Satan said, Jesus, why don't you turn, because you're so hungry, these stones into bread? Now, I always find that so interesting. It's one of those other things that's in evidence for Jesus, because if you would tell me when I'm hungry to turn stone into bread, it wouldn't be a temptation. I can't do it. But Jesus can do it, so this was a temptation for him. And in response to that temptation, Jesus said, and recorded in Matthew 4, 4, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was responding using God's word. And he was bringing up a very humongous truth in our lives. That we have this spiritual hunger inside of us that is only filled with the words of God. As people, we try to get satisfied. We try to get our identity from a lot of different things. The world will tell you that, oh yeah, it's, it's your job, it's your money, it's your sexuality, it's your relationships, it's, it's sports, it's whatever it is, but none of that actually fulfills the spiritual hunger we have. None of that gives us the identity that God has for us to live the true life that he has destined for us. Only God can give us that, only from the words in the mouth and the breath of God. This is why Paul, the apostle that, that God revealed himself to him in the form of Jesus, and, and then Paul would go and start a bunch of churches. One time he was writing a letter to Timothy, a young pastor, and he was telling Timothy the importance of God's word, and it was recorded in 2 Timothy 3.16, the beginning of that verse. A, uh, all scripture is inspired by God. That's so powerful because in the Greek, inspired simply means breathe. So what that scripture is saying is all scripture is god Breathe. All of it comes from the breath of God. And so what it's claiming to be is God's word and true, because God is truth. 
Not only is it claiming to be true, but as we read it, as you read the Bible, there's something that happens. You're reading it, and it senses true. It feels true. It has this ring of truth to it. And then the cool thing is when we apply it to our lives, it truly changes our life. There's evidence in the application that leads to transformation. So for me, I believe the Bible is the word of God, not only because it says it's true, not only because it seems true, but because when we apply it, it transforms our lives. Again, the Bible is a revelation of God. And so let's get into some specifics about what the Bible is. The Bible, which is Greek for the books, was written over a period of 1,600 years by at least 40 different writers. It was written by different kinds of people too. Kings, poor people, fishermen, doctors, statesmen, all kinds of people wrote different kinds of writings. They wrote letters and poetry and prophecy and history. And through that, we can understand that the Bible was written 100% by humans. It was also written 100% by God. Now, those two things don't seem to fit together, but they do. Let me help us understand. It's kind of like when you think of architecture. One of the greatest architects of all time was Sir Christopher Wren from England. And he built the St. Paul's Cathedral in England. Now, we have one in Pittsburgh, but the one that we're going to show you some pictures of right now as I'm talking, they're going to be behind me, is the St. Paul's Cathedral in London. He started building it when he was 43 years old. It took 36 years to build it. In 1711, it was completed. All of it was attributed to Sir Christopher Wren, who was the inspiration for all of it. He was a lone architect on the whole project. However, Sir Christopher Wren didn't lay a single stone. He didn't paint a single picture. They had stonemasons and carpenters and painters and more people that all went into this amazing, immaculate building. And when we look at God's word, we can understand it a little clearer when you think through this lens. Because just as Sir Christopher Wren built this as the architect and inspiration, God is the in architect and inspirer for all of God's word. He spoke, he breathed in the people who wrote down his words. And so as we read it, it senses true, it feels true, and when we apply it, it is true because it is directly from God. Now, this doesn't mean that all of God's word is easy to read. Sometimes I've been reading God's word and I go, why did this happen? Or why is there suffering right here? And in those moments, it reminds me of a crossword puzzle. I don't know if you've ever done a crossword puzzle. You're answering questions and filling like bubbles and like rows and columns, rows, columns. And as you do that, sometimes you get stumped. There's a question that you can't fill out, at least for me. And when that happens, I generally don't rip the crossword puzzle up or burn it and go on with my day. Usually, I go and start looking at the other questions and answering them. It's funny when we think about people reading the Bible, and sometimes they get to a part that maybe is hard to understand. Instead of continuing reading, they they are done with it. But when I'm doing a crossword puzzle and I start to answer other questions, a cool thing happens. Start writing letters in on that, that blank spot with the word that gave me such trouble. And eventually, I understand what the word is supposed to be. And the Bible is very similar. The more we read it as a collection of books, like it was meant to be read as in its entirety, we start to understand those hard parts that are confusing to us. Now, I'm not saying that I understand everything about God's word, because God is still revealing that to us. However, I do understand more every time I read it. And there's some tools that can help us to better understand God's Word. The first one is we can ask questions while we read. 
We ask questions like, who wrote this? Why did they write this? Who were they writing to? When was it written? And stuff like, was it a historical book or a prophecy or was it a poetry or was it a letter? Once we understand the who and the why of the writing, it helps us to understand the context, which gives us more meaning to what was written and why it was written. The other thing we can do when we're reading God's word is to pray. Talked about prayer last week. Aaron did such a fantastic job about talking about how we've access to the Father through the blood of Jesus through his death and resurrection. And so when we go to read, we can access that. We can say, God, you are the architect. You know why every word is in the Bible. So could you please reveal this to me today? And the cool thing is he will. He'll help us to understand it. His Holy Spirit will move through us and give us understanding so we can pray, we can ask questions, and we can also understand who Jesus is. We can hold a picture of what we've learned and what we know about Jesus as we read. You see, Jesus is the interpretive key to the Bible because he's the supreme revelation of God, because he is God. If we want to know what God is like, we simply look at Jesus. So when we're confused about a part of the Bible, we have to just ask ourselves, does this line up with Jesus? And his amazing love and his justice and his holiness and his righteousness. And if it doesn't, then we go, okay, I've probably interpreted this wrong. How can I interpret this knowing who Jesus is? And then again, we can go to prayer and say, all right, God, help reveal that to me. And as we're talking about Jesus, Jesus gave us a great reason for why we should hold the Bible with so much weight. Because he affirmed it while he was on this earth. Again, he, he used it to talk to Satan, but he also used it in reference to a lot of other questions and, and gave answers using God's word when he was on this earth. In fact, Jesus and his apostles supported what they said on 92 occasions by quoting the Old Testament. Jesus also promised that the Holy Spirit would come and give us the New Testament. So not only did he affirm the old, but he promised the new, and he promised the Holy Spirit would be able to speak through us, and he does. And so we can look and say God's word, one of the ways that he's revealed himself to us is inspired, and it's God-breathed. We can also look at God's word and know that it's authoritative. It helps us to know how to live. Earlier, we read the very beginning of that verse from 2 Timothy 3.16. Let's read the rest of it right now. All scripture is inspired by God, again, God-breathed, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God gives us advice through his word, advice on relationships and work, marriage, rest, forgiveness, perseverance, a ton of different things. God has also given us some rules that help us to live. Many people think that the Bible is simply just a book of rules, and it does have some rules in it, but all of them help us to live the best life we were designed to live. And a lot of times we can go, oh man, I hate rules. I don't even like rules. But truth be told, we like boundaries. I like knowing that there's rules to the road whenever I'm driving, so I don't have to fear that someone's just going to come and smash into me because he feels like demolition derby that day. I know that that is against the law, and so most likely it won't happen. I like to live. I love board games. I have this big collection of board games, and I have to even admit that without the rules in those board games, they would just be a cardboard board and maybe some plastic pieces, maybe some paper money, and it wouldn't be anything. But with the rules, they make the games come to life. And God's given us rules for the same exact reason, to help us to understand how to live the way we were created to live. 
Children are often unhappy and insecure when they don't have boundaries or rules in their life. They're given boundaries and rules out of love, and God does the same thing for us. God doesn't say, don't murder to ruin our fun. He doesn't say, don't cheat on your spouse to be a spoil sport. He does it because he loves us and he cares for us, and he doesn't want us to hurt. He doesn't want those other people in our lives to hurt as well because of his great and amazing love. Pastor Chris often says that sin is fun until it's not. And what God is doing, he's caring for us so much that he doesn't want us to get to that space when it's not. See, God's not just looking now, he's looking forever. God isn't just looking out for our immediate satisfaction. We often are, but he's not. He's thinking of our eternal well-being. So God is love and his book is. The Bible was given to us out of love. So we can look and say it's inspired, it's God-breathed, and it's authoritative. It helps us to live the best life. And it's also, and this is the last thing I'll leave you with today, and I believe this is the most important one of the three, God has given us his word to help us enter into relationship with him. You see, God spoke into the Bible. It's his word, but he still speaks from the Bible to us today. We know that because the writer of Hebrews once said, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is alive and it's moving and it can change lives. The Bible isn't meant to be a book that we put on a shelf and ignore. The Bible is meant to care and cherish like a love letter because that's what it is from our creator to us. The other day I was organizing my board game closet and and all the shelves and stuff. And I found behind my board games an envelope. And I took it out. I opened it up. And it was love letters from when my wife and I were dating. And I'd kept them and and cherished them. And when we were dating, I first would go over them over and over and over again to help prove to myself that she did, in fact, love me. It was helpful for me to see them. But now I don't necessarily need to read them as much because I know Rachel, and I know that she does love me. And now I've realized that the words were important, but only because of the writer of them. They're only important because Rachel wrote them. They're only important because she loves me. And the same thing is true with the Bible. The Bible is a means to an end. The end is a relationship with God. The Bible is important because who wrote the Bible? Because it is God's word showing us that he loves us. And so when we take them, we should cherish them as that love letter. We should understand that they are a vehicle to bring us into relationship with God. Jesus, when he was on the earth, said it this way, recorded in John 5, 39 through 40. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. The Old Testament pointed to Jesus. The New Testament describes us who Jesus is. All of it, the whole point of it, the whole purpose of it is to come into relationship with Jesus. The Bible alone doesn't save us. Jesus is the one that saves us from sin and death once we enter into that relationship with him. John, the disciple of Jesus, finished his book by saying this, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, And that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That was in John 20, 31. Sometimes as people, we can get in the trap of thinking that people will only believe in God if they're told in some eloquent, wordsmithy way where they have to hear it in the perfect circumstance. But God's already given us everything that we need to understand how to get into relationship with him. And that's through the Bible. 
In fact, people all over the world are still coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior by simply reading the Bible. Nikki Gumbel, and he is the leader of Alpha, and Alpha is where we get a lot of the information for this Q&A series. Nikki Gumbel tells a story about his friend Earl. Earl, in his 30s, was a part of a rich family and didn't need to work, and so he ended up spending most of his time doing drugs. Eventually, because of that habit, he ended up with an overdose in the hospital. One day, someone came and visited Earl and gave him a present of the New Testament. So he gave him uh, the New Testament, the Bible, the, the half that starts with Jesus coming to earth. And so Earl's looking through this, and as he starts to feel the pages, he gets excited because of how thin they are. He starts to rip them out, and he realizes that they would be perfect for rolling joints with the paper. So Earl smokes and rolls his way through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But then Earl stops and he reads the book of John. And through simply reading the book of John, he comes into relationship with Jesus. He comes to know who Jesus is and he gives his life over to him. He asks him to come into his life as his Lord and Savior. And so the next day, or or sometime later, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but it's the next time he was at a therapy session, he was meeting with a therapist. It was a woman named Tommy. Tommy was incredibly successful and intelligent. She was a model as well as a therapist, and she was charming. She seemingly had everything. But as she was talking to Earl, she started to realize that this guy, who seemingly has nothing, has his peace and meaning and purpose that she lacked, that she was trying to fight for, but she couldn't find. So she finally asked it to him, and this maybe isn't like therapy 101, but it's what she did. She said, why do you seemingly have everything and I don't? And he said, it's because of Jesus. So he went through and told her about Jesus that he just met and enjoyed this relationship with. And through the conversation, Tommy, the therapist, gave her life over to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And a cool ending of the story is they end up getting married and they became pastors and they're pastor friends of Nikki Gumbel. And it's this amazing testimony that the word of God still transforms lives right now. Over the last 20 or so years, I've read the Bible most days, not because I have to, but because I really want to hear the words from God. I want to hear his voice. I want my life to be transformed. I want to see him reveal himself to me. I want to know all the answers that he has for me. I want to be closer to God. I want to look more like Jesus. And so I've been reading, and as I do that and applying to my life, I see life change, and I see it in the lives around me as well. Pastor Rick Warren once said, and I really believe this is true, reading the Bible generates life. It produces change. It heals hurts. It builds character. It transforms circumstances. It imparts joy. It overcomes adversity. It defeats temptation. It infuses hope. It releases power. It cleanses the mind. When we invest time reading the Bible, that time does not return void. God blesses it, and he will speak to us through his word. When I was in college, I joined this Bible study. We ended up meeting for seven years. Every Monday, we'd meet for dinner and we'd talk about the Bible. Every week, we had an assignment to read the same chapter of the book as everyone else, just one chapter of the Bible, and we'd come together and we'd discuss it. We'd answer two questions. The first one is, what was interesting from that chapter of the Bible? And there's always something interesting, like, why did this happen? This is amazing. Or, I never knew this about God. And the second question is, how do we apply it to our lives? And after seeing people apply the Bible, we saw transformation. 
And so often what would happen is as we were discussing the Bible, we'd be discussing maybe what God was teaching us in other books of the Bible in our personal reading times, usually what would happen is someone would start to be a little agitated. And you'd look over and be like, hey, what are you thinking? What's going on? And they'd say something like, I was in church this week and we all went to different churches and they would say, the pastor brought up what you were just talking about. And then in my personal reading, that was brought up as well. So now three times in the last week, God has brought something up to me. And we notice, A, God's speaking. B, God's revealing himself. And C, God is trying to get your attention. And it was so cool to see that. After the, the last message, or on Saturday night, someone came up to me and said the same thing. They had just heard something, and then they came here, and they heard the exact same thing again. God was getting their attention. God wants to speak to us. He wants to transform our lives. He wants to come into this relationship with us. That's why he created us, and that's why he's revealed himself to us through creation, through Jesus, and through the Bible. So this week, let's engage with him. Let's hear his voice. Let's see his revelation. Let's read his word. If you've never read the word of God before, I'd encourage you to start small. There's this wonderful app called the YouVersion Bible app, Y-O-U version, and they do a verse of the day, and you can like even allow it, like allow the push notification to send you the verse of the day every day. You don't even have to do anything. It'll just come on your phone, and you can read the verse of the day. Start there. If you drive to work or you take a bus to school, you can listen to the Bible through that app. Fellas, husbands, dads, for those times in your day where you go to the bathroom to get away, I'm, trying, I'm sorry for like uh, sharing a secret of the manhood. Uh, when you do that and you come out and your wife goes, what were you doing in there? Here's a secret. Read the Bible in there. And then when you come out, say, I was reading the Bible. And it'll work like half the time. It'll be great. But invest that time. Find time during your day. It won't return void. God will speak to us. We'll grow closer to the creator of the universe, and you'll see his glory on this earth. You'll see life change in yourself, and you'll start to see how he's working around us. And as we read very practically, let's pray before we do so. And this is our next step. I will ask God to speak to me before I read the Bible this week. Ask him to, and he will. He wants to. So let's go to God saying, God, please speak through me. And then let's read his word and experience his revelation. God wants to have a conversation with you. But the only way that God can talk to you, the only way that he can reveal himself to you is through his son, Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's the day. Here at New Life, we say that it is as simple as ABC. A, we admit that we're sinners and that we need Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And B, we believe, we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And C, we confess, we confess him as our Lord and Savior and we commit to following him by the power of the Holy Spirit. So right now, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. You can either pray it with me or you can say it in your own words. Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner and that I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he came to this earth and that he died on that cross for my sins. And God, I believe that on the third day, he rose again from the dead, just as he promised that he would. And Father, I confess to everyone that your son, Jesus, is my Lord and Savior. And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I commit to following him every day. Because Lord, I want you to reveal yourself to me. 
I want to be able to have these conversations with you, Lord. I want to be able to connect with you through your son, Jesus. And it's in his precious name that I pray.